Yes, yes, yes. No, yes, yes, it is the return of the Listening Party pod with Adam and Mike. Men who continue and shall for potentially evermore be men of no consequence. Yeah, no consequence. That voice there is Adam. I am Mike. Every episode we bring a new album to the party to decide, hey, boobies, should we give this a spin? Who likes this? Who hates it? Who are indifferent to it? And this time you come across us at a slightly different party, as I have broken with tradition somewhat, and I have said, Adam, Adam, we're not listening to an album per se, we're going to listen to a collection of songs, a collection of songs from a series of films they call the James Bond series. Yeah. And this is going to be part one, because there's 25 of those fuckers and we're not going to get them all done in one party. Good God, no. Good God. It's been, it's been weird, man. Mm. I hey, hey, cards on the table. I'm a Bond skeptic. Bond skeptic. I think that the Bond films are formulaic and silly. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought that that the same was probably going to be true. Of the themes, and it isn't. Mm. Some of these are ace. Yes. yes I mean, some God. of them, some of them are, are aren't. No, no good. <laughs> no, because some of them are performed by Sheena Easton. It's not her fault. <gasps> we mustn't judge her for it. Oh, interesting. Yes, we should say. We, well, I pick. I picked this because it will right round the time. No time to die is currently tearing up the post-COVID charts. Well, it's not really post-COVID. Fuck, still around. But um, to call it the charts either, do we? Well, the fil- well, well, yeah, you say film <laughs> to the top ten. Tearing charts. up the charts tends to be strictly music, doesn't it? No, you say charts and film. In film. So, yes, we'll be covering the James Bond themes from 1962 to 1983, which will see us from Doctor No right through to Octopussy. Or as I have subtitled this episode, The Man from Thunderball Who Let Goldfinger Only Service Octopussy Twice. No Moonraker. Right, I I didn't really understand that. Because um, it's got to be said as well that unless the name of the song is the same as the title of the film, I don't know which one's which. You missed my subtle joke there, which I've incorporated one word from every title of the films we're covering. Oh, I see, yeah. No, that that's fun. That's lots of fun. Um, yeah, well, the, 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 the two James Bond fans of you may have enjoyed that. And <laughs> I've got... didn't. No, I didn't. And to be honest, I think less of you for it. These songs, there are, I've got some questions because uh, they're surprisingly hard to track down on um, Amazon Music. Uh, So I had to get somebody else's Bond playlist, which I don't know if it had all of them. Um, And I don't know if I've listened to too many things. I can tell you I've had a nice time, though. So isn't that what's good? Good for you. Isn't that what Bond's all about, Mike? It is. And protecting the patriarchy. And Her Majesty. Mm. And um, the application of horns to songs that otherwise might not have needed them. Now, now, there's there's only a preponderance of horn in the early ones. Then it moves 
very much into string. I think I really love the fact that John Barry's go-to was always, hmm. I think they should put more horns in this. Famous, famous British man, John He's Barry. German, yeah, so I, um, think so I think the song requires a lot more oomph. Do you think he's German just because he wants more horn? Yeah, and, and his name. Johannes Bai. <laughs> Famous Germanic name, yeah, John yeah. Barry. Yeah, he's German, right? Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> it's German as Werner Herzog. <laughs> Good. Who I believe is Russian. Um, could, could well be Austrian. Don't know. <laughs> absolutely, there's no way I know it, is there? There's absolutely so, no way of us telling. I'm certainly not. I mean, the only way we could find out is to ask him, and I'm not going to. Um, not going anywhere in the man. I think, I think he'd think it rude. <laughs> so, Doctor No. Doctor, Doctor No. Is that a song, or is it just the, the you know, the Bond music? Oh, you mean you didn't hear Doctor No? <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't. <laughs> oh, no, it's Doctor No. Well, that's precisely it. I couldn't find that, so I assumed that it was just, yeah, classic... Da, 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 din, 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 and then they use that for everything. Forevermore, yes. Is that, is that the case? Well, you would be right in this case. Harry. Oh, good. In which case? Dr. No's got an absolute cracker, hasn't it? I oh, thought, Because yeah. what I tried to do was listen um, shorn of its ubiquity. I tried to give each one of them the benefit of the doubt, and I, I succeeded in all but one case. Huh. And, and start again, because Dr. No is now... So you burned it to the ground. You yeah, in order that, that I may rebuild, which I believe was Johan's intention. Mm. Um, if you take aside the fact that you've seen, you've heard this piece of music in every single cartoon ever, the yeah. second anybody puts on a suit, for example, and then they turn and face the camera and then there's blood. If you get rid of all that, what you're left with is this weird little song featuring 60s surf guitar of uh, plenty more horn on the song. The song and, has the surf guitar and then the application of horn. And there's bongos in there as well. Furious bongos. Well, in the original. Okay, you say furious bongos. Name me bongos. If you are naming me bongos that aren't being played with a degree of fury, you're showing me some bongos that are not being properly utilised. And I mean that sincerely. I feel like Don was used them inappropriately. Well, you take that up with Don Was. I personally disagree. In what mm. song? Do you mean War it, the Dinosaur? Is there any other Don Was song? <laughs> I mean, apart from all the rest. I mean, probably there is, but if you've what? written War the Dinosaur, take the rest of your life off. Mm. I know he hasn't, and he's done laudable work, but crucially, he was involved in War the Dinosaur, so I don't need anything more from him. And I wish him all the best. <laughs> yeah, uh, James Bond feed. So we're not really doing context this time around because every song will have its own context. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think Dr. No, the closest it really has to having a song for it would be Underneath a Mango Tree, which is what Ursula Andres is singing when she rises from the ocean and Bond is watching her. From afar, underneath a coconut tree on a beach. Right, okay. Yeah, and at the start of the opening credits, the first sequence, uh, it is a combination of the James Bond theme tune and the song Three Blind Mice. Oh. As you see, the silhouettes of three blind assassins. 
walking along. If they're silhouettes, how can you tell they're blind? Are they groping they... their way forwards? No, they, they're not groping boobs or anything. They're making... No, they've got, we've got canes and all doing, like, shuffling along with little... You know, like... Um... And how do you know they're assassins? Because if you've seen Doctor No, at the end of the end credits, you see these clearly blind men walking with canes go up and shoot a man. And then they throw away their canes and say, You fools! It was us all along! And they get oh, in the that, car and drive so, away. So they weren't actually blind? No, but they're pretending. It's, right. It's a, it's a pantomime, madam. They were undercover blind men. Oh, and then some children throw sweets at them and there's a bit of a sing-song. No. There's not a panto, is it? No. Uh, look. Then a raucous B-movie thriller begins. <laughs> Good. Right. I haven't seen... Um, okay, let me just check. Right, I don't think I've seen any of these. <laughs> well, any of the films we're talking about the theme songs today, you've never seen any of the films? I don't think I've seen any of them, no. Good lord. <laughs> I, what, what country were you born in? <laughs> well, I'm not German for a start, so... <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen any of them. I saw the Pierce Brosnan oh, ones... Ah. And then I, I worked backwards for a spell and then I gave up because I thought, oh, this is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't worth my time. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Whoa, you, which ones of these do you think are really good? Don't say all of them, that's a cop-out. <laughs> Goldfinger, it's a classic for a reason. From right. Russia with Love, it's a, it's a cool 60s communist thriller you only live twice it's just ridiculous balls out silly and still pretty good on the magic secret service probably the best music and got some great sequences and the tragic ending skip a few skip a few skip a few. spy who loved me probably the best all round this is just getting silly now but still pretty cool the travel little bits skip a few skip a few skip yeah and then that's it for this lot <laughs> And then we come up smiling in the mid-80s again. And come up smiling for Skyfall. <laughs> See you in 30 oh, years, folks. Goodness me, really? That's cool. No, no, I'm joking. There's some other good shit in there. Right. I mean, because I haven't seen any of the films, um, we've got this, uh, I'm not going to lie, Merlot-fueled document. Yeah. So, so you, you, you briefly showed me a document that was just... Yeah. Rife with numbers on a, well, a poorly drawn it, grid. It was important that we approach this scientifically. Is it? Because I've got, yes, because mm -hmm. I don't know any of the songs or the films or the years or the context, and I'm not prepared to do any research. Good, good. Um, I decided a metric was required. My partner got involved. It was Friday, it had been a tough week. Wine was involved. Clearly. And then, unfortunately, more wine was involved because this turned out to be quite fun. Uh, and then, if anything, tea was too late and I uh, fell asleep on the sofa. But that's neither here nor there. Okay. Uh, so the categories were sexiness, mm -hmm. which I, I think you'll agree is essential. So are we, are we measuring that in brass? Um, certainly that is involved. Hmm. Uh, coolness. Okay. I mean, for example, From Russia With Love scores quite highly on coolness. But uh, I did mark it down on sexiness. Mm. So um, the quality of the writing, not going to lie to you, Goldfinger takes an absolute kicking there because it, it, it's a bad, bad, bad song. Danceability, not my category, but still vital. 
there's some of these I'd find a real struggle to get a jig onto. Yes. I'm yes. looking at you, Moonraker. Uh, the other the other one that I've suggested was just general niceness. Like, just how pleasant is it to listen to? Nancy Sinatra is doing well there. Oh, good. Um, the X Factor. Not the popular song contest. Just does it have any additional oomph? Uh-huh. Um, quality uh-huh. of voice. And finally, uh-huh. Bombast. Ah, uh-huh. Bondbast. No, Bombast. Oh, I'm sorry, I just don't... Was that another one of your Bond jokes? I don't get them. I think possibly because I haven't seen the films. I don't think I've ever used the word pun Bondbast. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sort of thing I'd even in the even in, even in Man with a Golden Gun, they couldn't bring themselves to use Bondbast. Yeah, sure. They see Bond playing the tuba and go, Ah, I see Mr. Bondbast is here. And then some women take their clothes off and eight Chinese people are killed. <laughs> For any reason? There doesn't seem to be a reason in the Bond films I've seen. This is true. Just, ah, foreign are you? I'm not American. <laughs> You're for it. <laughs> that, I mean, tell, sure. I'm, I'm guessing they, that maybe have changed a little bit, but a lot of the snippets I've seen does tend to be not British equals baddie. <laughs> Equal punch. Minimum. Death likely. But yeah, Doctor No, I thought, was a tune. No, just for James Bond theme. Yeah, sure. By Monty Norman. Not That's... John Barry. Ah, Herr Norman. Mm. So apparently uh, Norman has been to court twice um, to see who, who actually gets the writing credit on the famous tune. Because originally it was John Barry who was originally asked by a film producer, Harry Zaltzman, to tidy up the arrangement. But Norman actually wrote a piece. Apparently Norman had only uh, composed one soundtrack before called The Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll. But Albert Broccoli had backed a musical he scored called Bell or The Ballad of Dr. Crippen. The Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll. Sort of fundamentally misunderstanding the story there, really. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he's another guy. (laughs) It's a different man. What does he, grow a beard or something? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Chris Blackwell of Island Records worked Uh. as... It all comes back to Blackwell. It always comes back to Blackwell. He worked as a a location scout on the film, as he knew Ian Fleming, and introduced Norman to local singers who appeared on the soundtrack. Because, of course, he did. And the piece has been used in every Bond film ever since, and it must be surely one of the most famous pieces of music around the world. It's definitely one that I'd like to have a credit on. Yeah, I'd sue for that. Yeah. Oh, are we sure I didn't have a hand in here somewhere? I feel I feel like I was involved. Feel like I was, <laughs> or if not, I was in Dune. <laughs> did we did they use it in Dune? They probably did. Mm. Monty Norman did say the opening chords bear a re- resemblance to his own song Good Sign, Bad Sign, which I didn't go back and check, but apparently. <laughs> yeah, boy. And it was recorded with five saxophones, nine brass instruments, a solo guitar, and a rhythm section. And the guitar riff is played by Vic Flick. Good. He sounds Vic fun. Vic. Vic. Um, I'll tell you what this made me think, though. The 60s was the golden age of let's have all the instruments in the world. Let's, let's, get, a, let's get a full orchestra in. 
for do, Ethan like grandstand. <laughs> let's do four, five different genres in two minutes of music. Yeah, it hang, hang the fees. We don't need to. I mean, really, we're just hitting record, so we're just going to get forty people. I'm sure we only need the piccolo player for twenty seconds, but it's vital he's there. <laughs> Guinness, 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 everyone's happy and record. Magic yeah. happens. Lunch is going to take four hours and everybody smokes constantly. Bliss. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> I mean, sure. You don't live as long. Hey. But, but hey, you win some, you lose some. Hey, I'm, I'm in the Vic Flick. I mean, it, it, it is hard to say much about it. I mean, it's just a, it is an incredible piece of music. It is. It wants dynamic and just silly yeah. and overblown and the fact that it's still widely used today to denote here comes james bond it's just it's quite it's amazing somehow desperately cool and threatening and thrilling mm. and also daft yeah it's, that that surfer guitar should not yeah. work with that yeah, it really does doesn't it really over the top ridiculous piece of music a ridiculous piece of music that I wholeheartedly endorse. Oh, where did it score in your metrics? I didn't. Uh, didn't. Oh, okay. We didn't. We didn't start with that one because we just thought everybody knows it, don't they? Oh, so you're you're about four songs in, drunk before uh, you came up with this? No, second song in. Oh, that was a quick night. Rush. Well, we'd already been drinking and talking. You know, just 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 bloody spending time with each other, and and. <laughs> Then, because I'm one hell of a guy, I said, hey, do you want to listen to all the Bond themes in order? <laughs> and, make the, and make this metric with me <laughs> before you explored each other's bodies. And then I'd also, I've had thoughts about a metric. <laughs> I want to discuss with you. And of course, by that point, she was, you know, screamingly hot for me. I mean, what woman, could, what woman your ass. is devising a metric? <laughs> I thought we might get a spreadsheet. <laughs> And if anything, we really should have got a spreadsheet. These lines are all over the place. I know, I saw them briefly. It's disgusting. It's, it's absolutely vile. <laughs> Clearly no rule has been anywhere near that piece of paper. Oh, God, no. It was freehand. Oh, Jesus. Free solo. And to be honest with you, there was some disagreement about what the X Factor column meant. Because, I mean, she thought it meant specifically something to do with the Cold War. Uh, I said, no, that only applies to From Russia With Love. And she said, well, it's too late. I've written it there. It was a mess. It was a mess. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, so, From Russia With Love. So technically not a theme tune, more of an end credits tune. Is the uh, film called From Russia With Love? It is. It, it's the second one in 1963, Adam. Oh, I loved it. I love it. still Sean Connery. I really loved it. I really? also Oh, I loved it, yeah. I find it one of the most forgettable ones. Oh, I think it's great. I think its reputation is one of the more forgettable ones. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> because for your eyes only takes the crown in terms of forgettableness. No, I, I disagree on that. I think that's a... Awful. But this has got sexy Russians, and who, many of whom are presumably killed. There, there's a few dead Russians by the end of it, yeah, yes. and, there's, and there's a Romanian gypsy fight in it as well. Gypsies die, do they? 
I think one or two get shot in a. Yeah. There's there's a, a, a gypsy lady fight, and then Russians are there for some reason, uh, and shooty shooty bang bang. Would we describe the road the the gypsy lady fight as gratuitous? Yeah, they're fully clothed. Yeah, but... there's a lot of a lot of hair pulling, a lot of slapping. Yeah, is it necessary to the furtherance of the plot? Hundred percent no. <laughs> there you go then. <laughs> The film could have completely got away with it. You got Robert Shaw in there as a badass villain. Brilliant. So presumably Connery or whoever, or Cubby Broccoli. Ah, do you know what we need? Dancing gypsy girls. Fighting. Gypsy girls. each other. Zapping. Preferably over me. Sean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're interested, I can tell you, scored low for sexiness. Uh, if it does sound like a, a piece of music my granddad used to listen to. I mean, he, he was a Matt Monroe fan. Concerningly, though, Ab thought seven for sexiness. She really thought Matt Monroe had something. <laughs> the, the singing busman. Absolutely no idea why. Uh, he, but now, I have, thought, you shown, have you shown uh, her pictures? No. Conversely, I thought it was a lot cooler than she did. I'm, I'm kind of thinking you're both pissed and wrong at this point. Hey, no one's hey. claiming. No one's claiming we weren't pissed, man. <laughs> Saturday morning was challenging, particularly as I tried to make sense of... <laughs> oh, God, bring the metric. Oh, we were so buff. What were we thinking? Uh, quality of writing, we both thought it was very good. Oh, well, originally Lionel Bart was tapped to compose a score and theme, but uh, they went with John Barry again. Oh, Herr Barry. Yeah, Herr Barry. Uh, danceability, I only gave it a two. I've got to be honest, it's not. <laughs> From Rochford. I, I think a polite click of the finger on this one. Uh, however, it's obviously scored very highly from both of us in terms of general niceness and his voice. I mean, yes, niceness. It's got <laughs> it niceness. Is, it is I nice. Don't want, I don't want niceness in my Bond song, no. Would you like more Bombast? Because I can tell you I only got five. <laughs> I would give it lower for Bombast. I was feeling very well disposed to it, though. Hmm. What, what was it? What's bombastic about it? It's just a very lush, romantic song. Probably just how many dead Russians there were. <laughs> just, oh, imagining those dead Russians. God, oh. so many dead, so many people called Ivan have been killed. I think only a handful get killed in the proceedings. Uh, a Russian agent called... Uh, is it Irma Klopp? Club? Kleb? She, ha- she has a knife in her shoe. A knife in her shoe she tries to stab him with. Oh, you don't mean it's just caught under a soul and it's really irritating. <laughs> no, ah, that's, her, no that's, that's her main villain trait. What's her problem? She's got a knife in her shoe. She can't get it out. Ah! ah. That's why she's it's furious. Her problem with shoe is knife in bottom of shoe. I can't get out. Why don't you take it out? Ah, <laughs> oh, the light, delicate wit of Sean Connery's performance. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, yeah, John Barry went to, actually went to Turkey to get a flavour of the international sound, but he'd uh, drummed up by going to Jamaica for Dr. No, but it didn't work, and uh, I think he just got pissed on the trip. And he just, you know, bashed something out about Russians. Just instead. bashed something out with Matt Monroe instead when he got home. Uh, I went to, I've been to Turkey. It was an absolute washout. So I've written this about Russians. Matthew, can you do anything with it? <laughs> it's John Barry. 
Oh, hi. Yeah. Hi, John Barry. Well, that's Matt Munro. Oh, yeah. Hi. I'll give a little, give a little, little swing. Yeah, it's, it's very Dean Martin like this, isn't it? I'm not trying to do the man a disservice, but wasn't Matt Munro the British Dean Martin? <laughs> I think that's what they marketed him as. <laughs> the reality of that, I think, might be different. Why? Although, on, although on, on days like these, is a pretty swinging song. On days like these. I think, I think he was a terribly short man and a little bit tubby with it as well. And so not, was he Irish? Probably. Um, but I don't think he was potentially, you know, the, the Hollywood charm of Dean Martin is not what you uh, quite had him. I think we're thinking more Harry Seacum here. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> let, me, let me just Google that and make sure I'm, I'm in the right ballpark. I'm not, do, not wanting to do a disservice to Mr. Monroe, but, you know, if we're talking about are you Monroe or Martin? Good game. Monroe or Martin? Uh, oh no, no, my mistake. He's not. He's not a. He's not a rotund gentleman. He, actually, he's got a look of Frank Sinatra melted with Harry Seacum. <laughs> Good. I imagine they'd both be thrilled. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. What, it does, what does that sound like? <laughs> Can't sit here crying about nothing. <laughs> Seacum. <laughs> I mean, every time we do that, that's Peter Sellers that does that bit. Yeah. Guys, can never said he did any voices. <laughs> he was good, though. Yeah. It, is, it does all hang over Harry Seacum. Seacum. Yeah, so for Russia, so for Russia of Love appears in the end credits and on the radio in the film at one point and is turned off by Bond when they're, I believe, in a little um, riverboat. Which is very unbond scene. Well, he absolutely hated Matt Monroe, didn't he? So just turn that off. Oh, Matt fucking Monroe. Well, it looks like the love child of Sinatra and Harry Seacom. <laughs> <laughs> so the first theme tune proper would come the next year in 64. I mean, they really bash these films out at this point. With Goldfinger. Oh, my God. Right. Ba-ba. I had tried to do what I did with the Bond theme, which is, okay, this is unquestionably the most famous Bond song, I would say. Yeah. It is. It's the song that gave Shirley Bassey the, the you know, career. the reputation of being queen of a Bond. But that does not take away from the fact that it's shit. No, uh, the lyrics are shit. Not it even is, preposterous, it's just shit it's lyrics. It's just four different metaphors. Such a cold finger. <laughs> and where is this cold finger going? Oh, but he's a spider now. Right. Oh, yeah, come into his web. <laughs> With his cold uh, fingers. And golden words you'll pour in your ear. Because that's a, that's a thing. That's a thing you do with your cold finger in your web. It is utter balderdash. I do love the facts as well. They they have a, this this man Goldfinger. What should we do to entice the people at home to come watch this James Bond adventure? Sing a song about a crazed German man with a gold Goldfinger. This is this really over the top, silly, bombastic song singing about a naughty man. It's the kiss of death. 
Is it dark? Is it? Is it? Is he kissing people now, or is he a spider with cold fingers? <laughs> it's cold fingers. With, with, uh, while he's pouring things in your ears. I mean, if it's your fetish, that's one hell of a night. Uh, if, like I imagine, is true for 99% of people, it isn't, then you're, you're probably going to be bewildered. But if you are, you're in the realm of the senses. <laughs> the Palais du Dance. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it is just all style over substance, isn't it? But you can't argue with that opening. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, I suppose that, I mean, that's it, true. I mean, I mean, it does score very highly on Bombast. I mean, Barry brings the horns. Yes. <laughs> I realised <laughs> in, in my previous outings, I hadn't used anyone near enough horn. Since Goldfinger, I wanted many, many more. <laughs> what, many what? Yeah, that's only going to become more pronounced. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it, uh, again, written and composed by John Barry. Here's... Barry created the melody before writing the lyrics. So, shockingly, lyrics almost tossed together. Never. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's written it and gone, that is, that's fantastic. So that's, that's brilliant. That has more horns than anything I've ever composed. Mewhoon. Um, and then when, uh, oh. Oh, uh, fuck. Well, there's a hyper on this. Uh, why don't I get a singer who is the, the oral equivalent of many horns? Hey. You got, he's got it there, then. Just, I just want a singer that go that does that just goes, bwah, 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 bwah. but with words. Ah. Yeah, and the lyrics for this were written by Leslie Bricuse, who uh, was a musical writer who did Doctor Doolittle, amongst other things, and uh, a certain Mister Anthony Newley. Ah. Yeah, and Anthony Newley actually signed the demo for it. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> what the hell does that sound like? Oh, the kiss. Goldfinger. <laughs> it's the Touch. kiss of death. Ow. <laughs> Touch a cold finger. Oh, Going. it pours it in your ears. <laughs> terribly, terribly well, Mark Bowden. Oh, man. I bet that's a, that's a thrill to listen to. I, you know, let, let's all go to YouTube, everyone. I'm sure we can find it. It's the kiss of death. It's the kiss of death. Shirley Bassey was chosen to sing it and was recorded uh, in an all-night session overseen by George Martin. Yeah, I think she was recorded from two miles away. And then they just... <laughs> on top of a hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a subtle performance, is it, from old Shirley's? I don't think shells can do subtles. <laughs> From old big bassy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Vic Flick, who was there in the sessions again, uh, commented that Bassey was having trouble getting a take done. So Martin spoke with her and, uh, and then her brassiere appeared over the console and she belted it out and they got the take they wanted. Because the 60s, everyone. Because it was the 60s. <laughs> and Sean Connery was there. And Sean Connery insisted on being present. Once he heard Brazier's had been removed. It is also <laughs> worth noting George Martin overseeing it. There is a Beatles gag in Goldfinger, which is right in the zeitgeist at the time. Where he says something like, um, the only thing worse than warm champagne is like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. 
don't even get it. James Bond didn't care for the Beatles. Yeah, because his ears were cold. Yeah, because of that cold finger and the words have been poured <laughs> in his ear. Uh, I imagine the words were also cold. You're doing your people's poet voice again. <laughs> oh no, big. <laughs> See, previous episode on Cockney Rebel. The words were being poured in his ears. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sling it and do it again. Um, <laughs> Thunderball. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Where so does Thunderball much. rate on your bombast? I absolutely loved it. Every time it came on, I was so thrilled. Da, 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 da. Always run when others walk. He asked while other men just talk. Da, 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 da. I loved it. Oh, it's shit. It's, it's brilliant. It's the best kind of shit. It makes... It's so... It's like... um. It, it it should be as well. It should be better known than Goldfinger. It's it's Ace. I just I'd love. He's just talking about a man with with. He's talking about James con- Bond with contradictory impulses. <laughs> so he strikes like Thunderball. Yes, yes. I'm not asked what a Thunderball is. Yet. <laughs> no, you you must never ask. <laughs> never ask what a Thunderball is. Because that's what he behaves like. I think. Oh, God, I love Thunderball so much, man. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't even the original theme. Da, da, the, original, da, da. the original theme was a more uh, chill number called "Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang," written by John Barry and Leslie Bricuse. Oh, that's. I didn't mind. Mr. I've heard "Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang" as well. Yeah, and I thought, eh. Yeah, I mean it's fine because because um, originally uh, John Barry was struggling to think of a song with the film's title in it, which you can understand because you must never ask what a Thunderball is. And then they um, they went with an Italian ju- journalist uh, description of James Bond, which is Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm. Mm. I like the keys. And then uh, the song was originally sung by Shirley Bassey, because, yeah, of then, course, it was. Yeah. And then they closed and, the windows and let her carry on outside. <laughs> kiss, kiss. <laughs> uh, no, she's gone now, she's gone now. Uh, yeah, but the Shirley Bassey version ran too long. It was too long. So they re-recorded it with Dion Warwick because Bassey wasn't available to do a re-record. No, she's and then, busy. Then she's still busy walking, no, walking she's, away. She's busy warning ships away from rocky shores. Such a chaotic. <laughs> hey, boss, we're still 50 miles away from Dover. Keep sailing, Jimmy. Surely Bassey's out there. Yeah, um, the film company United Artists demanded the song feature of a film title. So Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was planned as the end credits theme until Bassey sued the producers for the use of the song. Then Barry threw together some claptrap uh, with Don Black. <laughs> yeah, didn't he and, and got Tom Jones, uh, who, who uh, passed out singing the final note. I'm just going to say, I will be singing this fu- this song at both your wedding and funeral. Okay. But I'll be directing key lines at various people. At your lovely bride, <laughs> I will be singing any woman he wants he'll get while staring <laughs> two inches away from her eyes, shaking my fist. <laughs> and the funeral then, line? Oh, absolutely weeping with his days of asking are all gone. 
this boat goes on and on and, and on. Because as soon as I've sang that your fight goes on and on and on, that's when I blast your coffin into space. <laughs> because you're taking your fight to the stars. Okay. Can I not get a moment's rest? No, your fight goes on and on and on. Uh, oh. oh, man, come on. Because you think, da, that, da, 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 you think that the fight's worth it all. I mean, big drums, <laughs> much horn, intriguing strings. It's so good. Yeah, and it was uh, it was not fundable, but Johnny Cash submitted a theme tune to the producers because he it turned out he was a big James Bond fan. Inexplicable. And if you go on YouTube, a helpful soul has uh, taken Johnny Cash's fundable and put it over the opening credits. So, dun, 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 dun. There's a man <laughs> and a fundable. Something like that. Have you ever heard the uh, ukulele orchestra of Great Britain do Thunderball? I have. I think you played it to me a while ago. Yeah, that's great as well. That's. Fine. I I think the it's because the bare bones of the song are so strong that it does work without the bombast. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the song was made so late in the day that uh, when they released the soundtrack worldwide, the song was actually left off it because they hadn't even made it yet. And some elements of Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang can be heard in the film still because they haven't got around to taking it out. It's the film called Thunderball. The film is called Thunderball. It's the fourth film, 1964. And Thunderball is a fascinating one because um, it it was written by Ian Fleming with a writer called Kevin McClory uh, as a screenplay initially. Then Fleming took it and did a book about it. And so McClory forevermore kept suing the producers for years and years, saying he owned the rights to all of Spectre and the character of Blofeld. And basically, he tried to make an entire his own James Bond industry off Thunderball. So, yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the random Sean Connery film uh, Never Say Never Again, which came out in the eighties, was a remake of Thunderball, basically. Oh. And then, even after he made that, McClory, he basically kept trying to get other versions of Thunderball made because that's the only right he had to it. But he was like, I, I, there's got to be something in this James Bond character. You mean over here that everyone else is watching? <laughs> yeah, that guy. But anyone else? Oh, I love the idea he's walking up to people in like test screeners and going, so you like Bond, do you? Do you like Thunderball? Uh, not so much, to be honest. It's uh, one, of, one of the weaker ones. <laughs> yeah, Thunderball kind of is one of the weaker ones. I, I always try and get on board of it, but it's got very long, boring underwater sequences. Well, which go on and on and on. Yeah, the, the fight's worth it, isn't it? Um, no. So far, best song. Really? Easily. Yeah. I, for me, Thunderball is Goldfinger Light. Oh, I think you could put Thunderball over any film and that film will be improved. And I do include Dune in that. Son of Saul, Shindig yep. List. Schindler's um, List would be markedly better with Thunderball playing over it. All of that black and white nonsense and the girl in the red. All and on and on. <laughs> Great. Great. Suddenly it's a toe tapper. The Exorcist? Yeah, better. Get rid of Tubular Bells. Thunderball. <laughs> Shot those nuns walking down the street. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, I mean, the priest is walking, always runs, except he doesn't because he's a priest. <laughs> While others walk. Da, 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 da. Well, actually, the shot of her eyes with a da 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 da. Oh, much more impactful. Yep, better, isn't it? Ghostbusters. Better. You don't, I mean, some people say it's an iconic theme tune. They're lying. Thunderball. Raging Ball. Thunderball. 
That would be Thunderball. <laughs> Anchorman. No, Thunderball. Okay. Doesn't matter. Thunderball. <laughs> Thinking of Psycho in the shower scene. Now. Yep. Thunderball. Citizen Kane. Thunderball. <laughs> Thunderball. <laughs> don't, don't. You don't change this up. Not Rosebud. <laughs> you do straight up. Uh, yeah, it's just to say, at the time when Thunderball came out, as in the film, it, it was like fever pitch levels of like a film coming out. It was like the biggest yeah. film of the decade when Thunderball came out, because Goldfinger had done so well. It was like fever pitch for Thunderball. It's like we're talking Avengers levels. The tragedy of Thunderball is that it can never be as good as its theme song. It just can't deliver on the promise of that song. I invite you to go watch Thunderball and tell me you're right. The thing is, I can't because are, I'll always be disappointed because it won't be as good as Thunderball. And, and Thunderball isn't that good. It's not a three-star affair. But at the moment, Thunderball gets to exist in a state of pure potential in my head. If it's half as good as the song, then I imagine it's the best film ever made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thunderball is one of those ones that always feels like it should be better than it is. Like I've, watched it many I've watched it many times over the years trying to get on board with it. But it's just quite a long, boring film. It's when they really start embracing the let's go globe trotting everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in boats and people in bikinis and things like that. It's bang, 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 Thunderball. Yeah, great. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Next. There's even a random trumpet thrown in where it tries to be a bit. Yeah. It's brilliant. He will break any heart without regret. And he does it without regret. Seriously, two, in, two inches away from your wife-to-be's face. <laughs> your dad's going to have to pull me away from her. I'm really going to ruin... really spoil the day, to be honest. <laughs> My last note on this, it sounds like someone trying to tiptoe through the dark wearing concrete shoes. It sounds nothing like that. It sounds like thrilling, daring yeah. do. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I could see... Coming to it cold. Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, I can see where your overexcitement for Thunderball can come over from. Overexcitement? Uh, yeah, I don't see it. Appropriate excitement. I, I just think it's a tossed together Goldfinger ripoff. Nah, because Goldfinger's bobbins. Nah. You're all six and sevens on this. You don't like Goldfinger, and you think from Russia of Love and Thunderball would you know, be wonderful pieces. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Fair enough. So what say you of the next theme? You only live twice from 1967. Also great. Also Good. Great. Glad we're finally we're on the same page. I I'll also to... say this has precipitated me cancelling uh Your holiday to Japan. Say... Yeah. Is that this film? Oh yeah. dear. Um I've not seen the film, obviously. Uh, not all of it anyway. Just, I just, oh, dear, I re oh, just remember is that vaguely racist one. Um this has led me in, down a bit of a Nancy Sinatra wormhole. Yay! I love her. Yes, good. I, I'm also in love with her, which is different. Nancy Sinatra, 1967, or Nancy Sinatra now? Oh, Nancy 67. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. The ingenue, not the <laughs> uh, venerable performer. Indeed. She's, yes. she's spectacular, as is this she song. Is. 
There's yeah. a on our metric. There's a whole lot of nines and tens. This was oh, a, good to hear. It was a very very high scoring it, round. Because this is one of my like not even one of my favorite Bond songs. This is one of my favorite songs. I I'm, love. I'm, I adore this song. I read two things about it. First of all, that Lee Hazelwood was responsible for her look, but also saying sing in that lower register. Yeah. And also, tone. when she was presented with this, she said, "Are you sure you don't want Shirley Bassey? I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'm only I'm Frank Sinatra's daughter. I'm from Monmouth, and I don't know whether or not I'm supposed to be doing a Bond song. I don't know if I'm going to do it justice." Um, and she, uh, she absolutely smashed it. It's wonderful. It sounds it just sounds like it's uh, what the song is is gorgeous. I oh, know it's a gorgeous the strings. Yeah, that that fate which then Robbie Williams defiled on his piece of claptrap. That did it, did it, did it, did So the, the soundtrack to You Only Live Twice is a, just a beautiful. The whole score is beautiful pieces of music. But yeah, I love those strings, and then just that chill. That I know it's trying to sound vaguely Japanese, but that do 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 do. And then just that needly well, guitar, that noise. What I'll say, though, is I've listened to this absolutely dozens and dozens of times, and I've never, ever picked up on the Japanese thing. And I suspect that's because I don't know what film it's from. Probably, yeah. So is it is it called You Only Live Twice? Yes. Right. The, ro- the one that Roald Dahl wrote. Oh, well, that explains all the race hatred. <laughs> um, Fully endorsed by Sir Sean. <laughs> Yeah, I think I thought you only lived twice it was incredible. Oh, it's a brilliant song, and it was um, originally sung by Judy Rogers, without the famous cascading strings, and it was later recorded as a demo version. Although Rogers thought it was a finished version for the film, and then after this version was made, John Barry uh, and Co. sought out Sinatra, as in Frank Sinatra, and reorchestrated the song uh, to suit her range. Sorry, I gave my notes picked up. So Frank Sinatra, they approached him and said, Hey, Belly, I got a, a broad over here. You mean your daughter, Miss Sinatra? Hey, that's the fella. Hey, she's a good kid. She's a good dame. So they basically, uh, on Frank Sinatra's recommendation of his daughter, uh, they went and gave her a shot. So they re-recorded a reorchestrated version with uh, Nancy Sinatra's to suit her vocal range. Best and- decision they ever made. And they also recorded, they called it a chart version of a song, which was produced... Is that the one that's more guitar heavy? Yeah, which was produced by Lee Hazelwood, because he stripped out Barry's lush strings and double-tracked her voice in a sort of double pun. So you only live twice, and she's singing twice on the song. Yeah, it's not very good. No, it doesn't have nearly the same grandeur. Jinx. Um, Yeah, no, you're You're completely and utterly right. I've heard that version as well, Mm. because I was listening to... The very best of Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood. And that's on there. And I was thinking, where are the lovely strings? Where are my pretty strings? (laughs) Pretty strings, John. Yeah, and John Barry originally wanted Aretha Franklin. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Another another person with just an enormous horn voice. (laughs) Yeah. In the recording studio. Can you imagine, though, if it's exact, exactly the stra- same or, like uh, orchestration, but having Aretha Franklin belting it out? Don't get me wrong. Aretha Franklin had an earth Is Aretha Franklin. Is She's Aretha Franklin. But it's the delicacy of Nancy Sinatra's voice that I think 
adds to it. Yeah, no, because she, she's the first one who's not belting it out either. No, because it sounds dreamlike. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Which is why it's so intoxicating to listen to. You can just have it on repeat. There's also, note should be said, she's the first non-British singer of the theme tune. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I just... It, it does feel like a bit of... um. It does almost feel like that after Thunderball, John Barry himself even thought, yeah, kind of just repeating myself now with Goldfinger, Thunderball. Yes. Maybe I should strip it back, baby. Make it a little bit more chill. After you've, after you've accomplished Thunderbolt, after you've climbed that mountain, where is there to go? Can you think? Come on. You can't add more bombast. <laughs> I think that's probably what they're charging with. like, Cubby, Harry, what? I can't give any... I, what more bombast can I give? What's the opposite of Tom Jones? It's Nancy Sinatra. It's that broad Frank Sinatra pointed to. That, that woman that Frank is still pointing at? <laughs> eh? Pally! You only live twice. I believe Nancy Sinatra was christened broad. <laughs> Yeah, broad, sweet kid Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is a little bit of hazy in the next one. So the next film is Honor Her Majesty's Secret Service. So the theme tune to this is actually the theme tune to Honor Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. They went back to an instrumental. But this is also the film that gave us Louis Armstrong's right. We Have Good. the Time in the World. Then I'm glad I've got that right. Um, what I will say is, I know You Only Live Twice is a, a departure from the screaming histrionics of the previous songs. Um, Louis Armstrong is like a fucking fever dream. <laughs> why, why is this on a Bond film? It's lovely. It makes, no, it makes, it the, makes I, piss all sense. I've, I heard this song for years before I appreciated it as a James Bond film. And after the fact, being like, it is? It's this be- beautiful, pleasant love song. But yeah. in, the, in the high, you know, it, around the summer of love period, why they thought, well, you know, we're going to show James Bond falling in love. What we'll do is get Louis Armstrong. Why don't we get this old jazz guy? <laughs> This old Satchmo, who's close to death. Uh, fat jokey aside, it's a beautiful song. I love it. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's so it's so wonderful. This song. Oh, it's it's like caramel, but I mean, what fact, is it doing fact, on a Bond film? I don't. Which is why it's not the theme tune. Which is why the much more arresting and urgent on a Magic Secret Service theme tune opens the film, and that's. I know I just said You Only Live Twice is one of the best scores ever. On a Magic Secret Service is genuinely one of the best theme tunes and overall scores ever. So well done, John Barry, for making two of the best scores ever back-to-back. Yeah, have a lie down. I mean, the, the theme tune also has an early example of uh, a Moog being involved. Oh, and, and you that, know what? It sounds as crisp today as it did oh. when it was recorded. Ambrosia. Oh, that Moog. <laughs> Bad Moog. Bad Moog. The multi-Moog moods of John Barry. <laughs> we Have All the Time in the World was written by John Barry and Hal David. Hal David, famous of Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head and other songs. 
Raindrops keep falling on my head. The uh, the title comes from Bond comes from Bond's final words in the novel and the film, spoken after the death of spoilers his wife. Ah, I'm on Her Majesty's secret service. No, that's not the final line. <laughs> <laughs> Cold heartless ah, bastard. Thank God we dealt with that thunderball. <laughs> his wife is dead. Who cares? <laughs> it's not that's real. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it's a very lovely moment in the film. It's his wife. What's her name? Jackie huh? Bond. What's her name? Jackie what? Bond? Linda? Jackie Bond. <laughs> No, it's Tracy. Tracy Bond. I think her full name is Tracy Countess. Uh, oh, what's God, her? Because her dad's it, her dad plays a part in the film. It's a weird film as well. Teddy Savalas plays Blofeld. Good. Hey, baby. Very sexy Blofeld. <laughs> yeah, so it would seem. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, the last shot of it. It's very. Uh, it's actually quite sad because. This this broad gets shot in the face by a foreigner, then, no doubt. Do you know what? She is German. Yeah. Blofeld and this German do a drive-by on her. Good. Uh, but she's got like a massive like assault rifle. It's like you could just use a little pistol, just like a proper. It's almost comical. Uh, and then uh, she slumps over in the car, and he's like holding her hand and everything. He says the line and then it fades out with um, like a flute playing the theme tune on just a bullet hole that's just shot her. It's like, that's a pretty dark image and quite sad sound to finish a James Bond film on. While Louis Armstrong sings. No, he's he's, he's gone by this point. He's uh, gone at him. Right, and, then, okay. and then it plays the James Bond theme for a second saying James Bond will return, ruining the atmosphere. And then it's... <laughs> No, it, it, no, 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 no. Right. Doesn't and then they, you, they, they play Thunderball again? The only, the only time you hear it in the film is there's a, a montage of them falling in love, riding horses and bollocks like that. Okay. Yeah. So Louis Armstrong was too ill to play the trumpets on the song. And uh, apparently in the studio, his wife was sat opposite him and he sang it to her. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. And then he died quite shortly afterwards. Oh, this was, last, this was the last song he sang. I that is more moving than like Unicron being your last performance, isn't it? Oh, right. Yeah, Orson yeah. Wells, yeah. yeah. Well, yes. Being drunk in a, in a booth, <laughs> screaming at Galvatron or singing tenderly to your wife. Yeah. You have to have a creative swan song. Captured on cellular. You know, oh, it's good. it'd be a coin toss. <laughs> Just ah, Galvatron, Galvatron. <laughs> oh. Darling, we have all the time in the world, except we don't. <laughs> time really is a factor. Sorry. <laughs> For some reason, 1969, it failed to chart in the UK and US, but became a hit in the UK 25 years later when it was used in 94 in a Guinness advert. Which nice. I remember vividly. That being oh, out. sometimes just God bless this country. 
we you weren't drunk fuckers. <laughs> we weren't ready in 1969. We weren't we, ready for this pleasantry. For, for the sheer emotion we have all the time in the world, we need to be shown the emotion by the Guinness Corporation. <laughs> by booze. Do you know what? It's fucking right. It's a do you know great what? Time. I do love you. <laughs> it's been covered by My Bloody Valentine, the specials, Iggy Pop, Fun Loving Criminals, Michael Ball, the Papini Sisters, Tinder Sticks, Propeller Heads, Shirley Bassey, who the funk it? And oh, Alfie yeah. Bo. I bet she does a really tender imagining of that. We've got all the time. She's in France. <laughs> How can anybody have this much power? Range. Barry said it's one of his favourite Bond songs. And it, it is a glorious song. Oh, it's it's lovely. It's really lovely. It's so, those constant whirling strings that. The thing is, though, what you say is true. But if you are listening to this, his his voice is front and center, and everything else oh, is yeah. secondary. It's not oh, like in Nancy Sinatra. It's her voice plus strings. This is hmm. he might as well be doing this a cappella. Oh, he, and he could have done as well because he just has such and he, a lived in. <laughs> he has such a just a lived in. This is someone singing from a place of pure experience and singing, and he, and you can hear his voice. He has an element of like we have all the time in the world, but I know I'm not long for this world. Oh yeah. And if you were, if you were in this the right mood, you could just sit there and sob listening to this song. Yeah, but you could also listen to it and feel really uplifted. No, exactly. It has, yeah. it has the same quality. I know I mentioned it before, but Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song. But on the right day, it's the most relaxing song in the world. On other days, it's quite a melancholic song. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I thought it was wonderful. But yeah, it doesn't feel like a James Bond song. I mean, I feel like the film probably would be better with the Thunderball theme, but this is... a yeah. This is a decent silver medal. <laughs> yeah, and on a match, Secret Service over time has uh, very much grown in stature. I think Christopher Nolan says it's one of his favourite James Bond films. And actually, if you watch Inception, you can just see elements of Inception. It's like, that's just almost wholesale on a match, Secret Service. I feel like that's the one I need to watch. It is. There's elements of it. Really, it's also, I'd say, the most blatantly 60s looking in certain scenes. Like, just a set decoration, some of the outfits. The outfits sometimes are pure Austin Powers. Great. Like with, with the, crumpled, the, the crumpled suits and the, the flowery ties and things like that. And well, that sounds terrific. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually a really good film. It's one of the few films as well where he's actually, for an extended period, in London and the UK. With a certain degree of exhaustion and dread, shall we move back on to Big Bassie herself? Big Bassie's back, baby. So, you don't care for Diamonds Are Forever in, from 1971? Not really, no. I think it's like a... Oh, it's because what they've done there is they've... It's not like Thunderball, where they took the recipe for Goldfinger and improved it. They've just taken Goldfinger and gone, oh, well, let's just do the same thing again. Well, it feels, it feels a little bit like they're doing the You Only Live Twice thing, but they're trying it with Shirley Bassey instead. What do you mean? 
Well, it's, it's terribly, it's much more low-key. It's terribly mysterious sounding. It's like mm. swirling smoke in the intro. And yeah. that is, this is the first one, I would say, probably moves away from bombast and lusciousness and probably moves a little bit more towards the camp factor. Diamonds are forever. Yes, this one's written by uh, John Barry and Don Black. And it's also recorded in Italian. Is it? Yeah, it's a strange... Yeah, it's a strange combination of like those action-packed horns and this hazy, woozy romance. And I forget which uh, jewellery company it was. I think back in the 50s there was a jewellery company. It might have been Schwarzkopf or something like that who used the phrase diamond is forever as their slogan right i also think this one sounds very instantly 70s as well the bass on it that boom, 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 it boom, does boom, sound boom. it's got a different sort of rhythm to uh, the early ones yeah it's got something approaching slightly swinging danceability to it yeah it scored reasonably highly on danceability oh i can imagine well if you're abby i only gave it a three but to be honest with you i think i was just cross why doesn't this sound like the good ones? Yeah, and John, John Barry told her to sing it as though she was talking about a penis. Oh. Although Don Black was like, well, I, I don't know where he got that from. I never intended it to be about that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with a penis. It's about a diamond. <laughs> Diamonds. Yeah. Nothing, in it? She's, I, done, she's done three of them, right? Yeah, she's done three. I, I and uh, really... it is the law of diminishing returns. They get worse, the more she does. If she were to do another one now, it would actually be offensive. I, I do really like the horns in this. That da, da, dun, 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 dun. But also that... Which I think have been utilised in several hip-hop songs, including Kanye West Diamonds from Sierra Leone, which was quite a lazy song because he basically just took the whole sound to put a beat on it. But yes. the horns are pretty, pretty boss. Hmm. I was quite annoyed with it. Um, skipped it where possible. I don't mind. It's not one of my top ones, but I don't mind. Diamonds oh, I was, forever. I was, I was never. I forever. I never greeted this one like an old friend, like I did with some of them. <gasps> oh, Matt Monroe, you're back. Ugh, Bassie's here. <laughs> uh, I quite like the the, the outro part. It's like forever, forever, forever. Ah, well, she's going very theatrical. Yeah, all right. So you've got some fundable da-da-da's in there. Yeah, I mean, but why have hamburger when I've already had steak? What? You can have two steaks. Yeah, so you listen to Thunderball twice. <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I mean, so I, you, you are right about the ending, and there's a lovely contrast between... The da da da, and the, when her voice goes much more woozy, mm. that is pretty good. Yeah, I can I can do about the for what is love sequence. Oh, no, yes. I, I, no, no, the, uh, I don't need love. Sorry, bit. Oh, I'd forgotten about that bit. For what good could love do me? Diamonds never lie to me. For when yeah. love's gone, they yeah. are gone. Pretty right. good. Yeah, all right, maybe I'm all turned around on the subject. Yeah, no, no, which I would like to put down to my 
beautiful singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, all right, fair enough. I had forgotten most of that. All I could really remember was diamonds are forever. And, diamonds. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Just remember, it's not diamonds are a girl's best friend. It's diamonds are da da da. Yeah, you've got to remember the da da duns. Yeah, okay. They're coming. They're coming, Adam. But the problem, Michael, is that this is stopping us from getting to the heart of the issue, which is McCartney making the best ever song. Not just. So in, in 1973, Paul McCartney and Vings went and made Live and Let Die. Now, even I now, think um, surely the most hardened, even the most hardened McCartney skeptic could not listen to Live and Let Die and go. Yeah, right, yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> it's magnificent. I mean, people hold us up as Paul McCart- one of Paul McCartney's Outside the Beatles best songs. And rightly so, because it manages to simultaneously work as a McCartney song, but also as a Bond song. And a, yeah. And again, because of Guns N' Roses, that's the first way I really came to it. Then finding out they covered Paul McCartney. And then I discovered it was a Bond song. I was like, oh, it's quite a long train for me to get there. What is so? Diamonds are forever and live and let die. They also the names of the films. Yes. Good. 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 Oh, I live and let die, man. It's a good title as well. Fucking ace. <laughs> and it's written by Paul and Linda. And it reunited McCartney with George Martin for the first time in a few years. Uh, as George produced and arranged the orchestra. It was recorded during the uh, Wings Red Row Speedway session and the producers uh, courting McCartney sent him a, a copy of a novel and he thought, I thought it was pretty good actually. Is he being portrayed by our friend John? Or? Yeah, well, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, they sent me the book and I thought it was alright. Yeah, the first time they've gone into realms of rock. So this is the first film that Roger Moore did after Sean Connery came back for Lady Puncher. I mean, Diamonds Forever. Lady Puncher. Uh, that's a stolen joke from the We Hate Movies podcast, which I make a very funny Sean Connery riff. Lady Puncher. <laughs> so obviously they're going for a, it's a new Bond. Let's get a new sound, a fresher sound. And at that point, it was the most successful James Bond theme, and it got to number one in the US and number nine in the UK. I can't believe it didn't get higher. What do these people yeah. want? What do you want, UK? What do you want? There's probably still a, a large proportion of people buying singles who are more Matt Monroe fans. You know what's really upsetting is that if you look up Live and Let Die lyrics, um, the main hit is a song by Salt and Pepper. Really? Uh, and I don't remember the opening being, I'm a sister with a grip on her life. I only live once, so i got to get right. You know you did, you know you did, you know you <laughs> did. Yeah, well, The Wings version was also nominated for an Oscar, but lost out to The Way We Were. Bullshit. They were robbed. <laughs> so was Thunderball. Yes, it was. It's not won any one of the 50 Oscars it's been put forward for. Oh, but it's also, it's one of the first ones where you get the sense that they paid as much attention to the lyrics as the music. Mm. For all of Barry's brilliance. Barry's brilliance. The lyrics were very much an afterthought, weren't they? Mm. Oh, I should be said that Live and Let Die was the first 
film as well that it wasn't composed by Hair Barry. It was actually George Martin did the music for it. It's just that bit in the middle. The, what does it matter to you? The little, the little reggae segue. For, for no reason at all. But I think you'd agree that it's not jarring, it's not annoying, it's great. No, it's almost just like a brief moment of respite. It's like, oh yeah. Da 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 When you were young. And then you just got that violin break down that you used to say I think Paul McCartney is too talented to live. I think that was an aborted title for this film. Yeah, he still performs it live now. He usually has a well, fantastic firework display going on during it. Wouldn't you? No. Even if you had all of the McCartney songbook to choose from. which That's one hell of a closer. It's, that's, you, you'd always do Live and Let Die. Yeah, I found it, found it interesting that um, he actually he approached it as quite a, a bit of a job to order. Because I basically came in and said, hey, Bobby. We want you to write this song, Live and Let Die. And basically, he just approached it as a task of, okay, I've got to write a song with Live and Let Die as a refrain. I don't think there's okay. anything wrong with that, though. I mean, that, right. that's, him and John used to say, hey, should we write a song? <laughs> then they'd sit down and write one to order. If you look at XTC's biggest hit, Senses Working Overtime, yeah, he was he was charged with writing a hit, and he went, oh, people like counting. Um, yeah. What have you got five of? There's nothing wrong with writing a song to order if you're that good at it. Yeah, absolutely not. It is a job. And he nailed it. <laughs> absolutely did. Yeah, originally, producer Harry Zaltzman wanted... Can you guess who he wanted to sing the song? Shirley fucking Bassey. Shirley fucking Bassey. <laughs> Come on. Have a bit a modicum of originality here. She can't have the whole monopoly on the thing. But the best ones so far have been the curios. Mm. Yes. And I think the bassy ones have got a certain bond ubiquity, a bondness, which you know I think is is what you but in fairness, it is what you associate with brand bond. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely got a Bond sound, but it's, it's but it's, been... it's it's when they do the other ones that it's better. Yeah, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with old Big Bassy, but Live and Let yeah. Die every goddamn day of the week is a oh, better yeah. song. I, I like this. Uh, it's a contemporary review of the single from NME. Ian McDonald wrote McCartney's fairly reasonable solution to the given problem. Right in less than 25 bars, the theme tune for the new James Bond movie is to let it be for the first half, wailing absently and with a curious notion of grammar about this ever-changing world in which we live in before sitting back to let a 3,000-piece orchestra do a man-in-the-streets impression of John Barry. It's not intrinsically very interesting, but the film will help to sell it and vice versa. I'm going to punch him. (laughs) I'm going to punch him square at the chops. He's completely missing the point. Uh, and for, it's fine. It's, it, the, the lyrics are good. They make sense. And he's it, it, not doing an impression of John... Well, he's not doing a John Barry impression. He's doing a, the Bond thing, which yeah, he's is... doing large bombast. In, incorporating the many horns of John Barry. Hmm. Because that's the brief. 
Barry, exactly, yeah. Barry's established the template. If he completely ignored, I mean, Aha and Duran Duran do exactly the same thing. Oh, you, yeah. you need to put more horns into this, and they do. Uh, I, I like the description of when it was performed at the Academy Awards ceremony for its Oscar nomination. Uh, it was performed by entertainer Connie Stevens, dressed in a silver lame outfit with a Native American-looking headdress. Descend, descended from the ceiling and then was variously lifted and tossed about by dancers dressed in various colours until she left the scene. <laughs> Why didn't they just get wings to do it? <laughs> Connie Stevens in a silver lame outfit being tossed hither and thither, Adam. But you tell me which you, you want to see. What do I, the people want, Adam? I think Wings would have performed at the Oscars. Would have they been tossed around hither and thither? I think if you try to toss Paul and Linda McCartney hither or indeed thither, you will be given short shrift. I don't have to do that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's still it's still one of the, the top ones, isn't it? I mean, we're talk we're talking Thunderbolt level, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's I mean, you very, are. It's very nearly as good as Thunderbolt. Yeah, it's it's definitely one that still holds the popular conscience as well. And I think a lot of people do forget it's even a James Bond song. They just think of it as a kick-ass Paul McCartney song. No shame. Probably in that. one. Of, probably one of his most kick-ass ones. I think the okay. same thing is probably true with Duran Duran, to be honest. Mm. Apart from that spoken word bit. Simon Laban. That's just in the video. It's not in the song. Oh, good. <laughs> I've been dreading listening to that. What a twat. Yes. And so... We come from, we go from a highlight to a bit of a, a trough here. With, oh, bless her heart. With the man with the golden gun. From 1974. Ah, uh, it's, it's sad, isn't it? Because... It is sad. I think, um, first of all, I assume this was written by Jennifer Saunders. <laughs> she has a powerful <laughs> weapon. That's terrible, isn't it? It it's a million a shatter. The whole song is a fucking double entendre. Yep, and a bad one. The Lulu is desperately she's trying so hard, but she's working with such subpar material. Yeah. And what's shame because John Barry came back to do the music for Man with a Golden Gun. Oh, you it, can tell. And it sounds like he's trying to do what George Martin had just accomplished so well. And, and he's brought Don Black with him again. So we, we've gone from the majesty of Paul McCartney and George Martin, you know, one of the finest producer-artist pairings ever. So let's just get the old team back in him, Barry and Black. Which is fine. I, I love John Barry. I think he's one of the greatest composers this country's ever produced, or Germany ever produced. That's quite right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Munich's yeah. favourite son, John Barry. But the song, no, heavens no. And the soundtrack in general. Because this one's set in the Far East. And my God, does the soundtrack let you know it's in the Far East. Oh, troublesome. Gongs are plenty. <laughs> good. Good, good. Uh, the man with the gal did. 
Bobbins. Love is required whenever he's tired. Oh, shut up. <laughs> she's kind she's, of... She's really... You get the sense that well, they were trying, maybe they were trying to do the live and let die thing, but they, they were also thinking, oh, remember the heyday. Enough time has passed that they're thinking... Oh, remember when Bond songs used to be about power and sex and horns and everybody used to belt it out. Lulu. And she's really belted it out, but she's belting out crap. Do you know what I think when I hear this song? Insolence. She is being insolent. I don't think she is. I think she's been led astray by bigger boys. (laughs) Yeah. She's she's not a bad kid, Mike. She's not a bad kid. Give her another shout. Mm. Yeah, even Barry himself considered the theme and score among his weakest. And uh, he said about the song, it's the one I hate the most. And he's right to do that. He's right to hate it. It's It failed to chart in the UK or US. Uh, it's known as one of the raunchiest of the Bond songs. Is it raunchy? Is it... Is it raunchy or is it like uh, reading carry about... Carry on raunchy. Is it like raunchy, like reading about sex in a tabloid where they describe bonking? Oh, nice bit of bonking. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's bonkathon. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alice Cooper claims his song, Man with a Golden Gun, was to be used by the film's producers uh, until it was dropped for Lulu instead. Um, I guess we'll never know, but I would guess... His was better. I mean, I think you can find his version somewhere. I think he was used on uh, Muscle. I've got to get the name of the album. He can't do um, power in the same way that Lulu can. And yeah! So, and so he wouldn't have tried. But she sounds like she's desperately trying to do a Bassy. She is trying to do a Bassy. She's trying to be as big as she can. She's trying to be as big as Bassy. Yeah, and Shirley Bassey can sing across postcodes. <laughs> and smaller oceans. Yeah. We shall see. Oh, shall we, shall we? Yeah, shall we? Um, I, I like, I quite like the urgency of it. That whole, like, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. But apart from that, uh, yeah, it's just all over the place. And it's just, yeah, it's just, there's a reason no one remembers this one. I don't think I'd ever heard it before. Yeah, it's, it doesn't. It's not like you're driving around on Radio Two. You suddenly hear, "Oh, it's, it's, it's wonderful! It's a man with a golden gun." And it's one of the more forgettable films in general as well. Now, now then, I owe an apology to the estate of Carly Simon because she's alive. I don't know <laughs> because I. I tried to listen to all of these shorn of their cultural trappings and their uh, context and so on and so forth. And I cannot listen to Nobody Does It Better because of Alan Partridge. I cannot. I cannot do it. Thankfully, I listened to it a lot before I ever saw that in Alan Partridge. It's... Makes me feel sad for the rest. So just a bit of context, uh, I'm Alan Partridge, season two, series two. Uh, He's planning to do a James (laughs) Bond-a-thon. His tape machine breaks, so he is forced to enact... No, no, it's taped over. Oh, taped over. The rest of them are ruined by having (laughs) Sunny Delight poured on them. 
And then he discovers right. that it's been taped over with America's strongest man, leading him to declare himself Norfolk's maddest man. Right, okay. And then and a, he... a James Bond is skiing. They're, they're these bad bastards skiing as well. They're wearing black jumpsuits with lemon piping. And James yeah. Bond, and he's falling, and he's falling, and he does a somersault. I don't know why, but he's not showing off. And then there's a big Union Jack. It's brilliant. I, I cannot, I cannot listen to it, Mike. Then the legs, oh, bit of bush, too late. What was that? It's... It's one of the most perfect bits in a sitcom, uh, which means that um, I can't talk to you about Nobody Does It Better because I still don't know what it sounds like because every time I try and listen to it, it's replaced with Steve Coogan. Which is a real shame because I think this is a great song. It's, it's keeping all song. my secrets safe tonight. I wasn't looking. Maybe <laughs> you're the best. Da, 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 da. Baby, you're the best. Yep, so written by Marvin Hamlish, uh, one of the few people who's won an EGOT. But he's not showing off. He's not showing off. With lyrics by Carol Bajish Sager, prolific songwriter and award winner, who was, I believe, Hamlish's uh, lady at the time, partner, I should say. It's the first theme to not have a title in the song title. Although she does sing The Spy, the spy Love Me. It's keeping it. all my secrets safe tonight. Yes. Yeah. Glad, glad you remember the lyrics. Well, I've, I've watched Alan Partridge a lot. Yeah, you seen the type. Spent three weeks at number two in the US, kept off by Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life. Good, good. Where's... Where's Boone now? Where is Boone? And it got to number seven in the UK. And it was nominated for Oscar and Golden Globe, but lost out to the title track from You Light Up My Life. That famous award winner, You Light Up My Life. Who knows? Yeah. And I suppose the real tragedy is we'd no way of knowing. No way of knowing. Lyrically, it's a lust drunk anthem about James Bond's sexual prowess. I suppose so. And it's yeah. best best performed in a static caravan in... Yes, 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 oh, and partridge and such. Oh. I mean, even though it's this, it does sound terribly 70s, middle of the road, I love this song. Her, yeah. so, her, her, her singing is so big and gorgeous and the, the piano that opens up, like a, almost a barroom piano, it's like she's singing it to an empty bar and then it opens up. She's telling everyone about this this guy she did it with the other night. She's still covered in his aftershave. She's quivering. And, uh, sorry. Um, I think that's the genius of the of Armando Iannucci and Steve Coogan and so on picking this one. Uh-huh. It's because he is forced to sing from that perspective. Hmm. But his love of Bond transcends anything in it. I wasn't looking. Somehow you found me. The Spy Love Me is one of the few Bonds I've actually read, and it's nothing like the film. The Spy Who Loved Me. It's basically about a, a woman who works behind a desk at a motel, and then some guys try to rob her, and James Bond just happens to be stopping by and beats the shit out of them, and they have sex. Good, good. Yeah. Hence The Spy Who Loved Me. I mean, that's how I've met all my ex-partners. 
by by threatening women in a motel, but getting the shit kicked out of you by some <laughs> agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, just basically being picked up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor defenseless man. By some kindly cleaner. <laughs> oh, you pathetic schmuck. Oh, you bought my noggin. <laughs> oh, were you writing checks that you couldn't cash again? <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> Should we make you feel better? Please. <laughs> Baby, you're the best. Baby, you're the best. Da, 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 da. Baby, you're the best. Sweet baby, you're the best. Da, 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 ba, ba, ba. Yeah, I've always loved this song. It's great. And it's one of those songs that's always played over in memoriam things as well. <laughs> Just slow motion sh- shots of people turning around and smiling. Uh, right. In terms of the old metric, we are we're really entering under dark, three under three country. Yeah. Shocks but, but, how can you not two. dance to Moonraker? Well, let's see what I gave it for danceability. Uh, I will say this, with the exception of Live and Let Die uh, and The Man with the Golden Gun, I don't. I didn't score anything higher than a four for danceability. Mm, you're I right think, to do so. I think this is possible because I hate dancing. Dancing? But uh, yeah, Moonraker got two. Oh... Harsh. It's but Bassie's back again. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> uh, old Blue Eyes was considered again for the vocals. You know, right at the height of his powers in 1979. Yeah, yeah. It's really. I mean, he's done fresh off the back of Von Ryan's Express. <laughs> God, I think even Von Ryan's Express was ten years before this. Uh, but then Johnny Mathis got the gig, but he withdrew from the job at the 11th hour, unhappy with the song. Mm. So then Kate Bush was offered, but she was off on tour, so couldn't do it. So old reliable Shirley was tapped up again at the last minute, uh, but she claims she's never felt an affinity for the song. She does. She does sound like she's phoning it in compared to the other two. Hmm. Well, it's because it, they're not allowing her to really belt it out on this one because it's not a bombastic song. It's more of a a lush song, this. And if that's the case, why do you get Bassy in? Because literally you know who her people are and you can say the 11th hour, oi, what's Shirley doing? And because nobody else would do it, apparently. Well, yeah, apparently. And I've, from what I've read in the past, that this really was like down to the closest they could possibly get it before they needed to get the film locked in when they recorded it. It's like very much like the last thing they did on the film. So it was very much a tossed off song again. And yeah, it, it's not held in very high regard, but I've always quite liked Moonraker. I can't song. even remember the tune. Where are you? Why do you hide? Where is that moonlight train that leads to your side? Oh, yeah, it's that one. Just like a moonraker goes. Yeah. No, keep going. In search <laughs> of his dreams of gold. I mean, it's you that's got to edit it. Keep I going. <laughs> know that you are only a kiss away. 
I've not got any lyrics in front of me either. This is all from memory. Yeah, yeah. I've good. seen you. How many people know Moonraker off my eye? I mean, for, for the benefit of the listener, he's he's really fixing me in the eyes as he does here as well. In a thousand dreams. He keeps charging your empty glass to me as well. I'm trying to get someone to fill it. <laughs> Felt your touch. And always him you love me. That's very impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, lyrics by Hal David. Not a marketable skill, uh, but still impressive. Maybe I could try busking on the streets of Manchester. Yep, just you and an empty whiskey glass and (laughs) and, and no music. And one hour straight of Moonraker. (laughs) It's time and someone singing Oasis or dismissed again. And then you do the man with the golden gun again. (laughs) that's, That's the encore. Yeah, whilst holding an inflatable penis you nick from a hand do. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. it's about one of these. <laughs> Look at his gun, it's funny. He's got a powerful weapon. We think he means his cock. I, I've i always quite liked Moonraker. I quite like it's It's got a mysteriousness and a creepiness to it. And... Um, it does sound like it's dreamlike and above the clouds and all that. Yeah, it's not very Bond-like, but come on, guys. Get on the Moonraker. No. Come on. No. <laughs> I mean, what is, I... A moon... what, what is a Moonraker? Well, it's like it's what happens when you get a couple of Thunderballs in a room. Oh, and the Thunderballs hit each other. They combine to form one Moonraker, yeah. Oh, so two Thunderball equal one, one Moonraker. Uh, two's the minimum. Ideally, you'd want three or four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Moonraker isn't a very good film either. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've I've just learned something quite sad. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I tried to get ahead of us and Google for your eyes only. Um, the, The number one sort of Google search is... Who sang for your eyes only? Oh, the tragedy of Sheena Easton. Oh, the tragedy. What's what's wrong with that? Because everybody knows who sang the other ones. Well, one more last thing on Moonraker. I, I would say at times it sounds like the Vertigo score. There, everyone, dwell on that. But anyway, yeah, Sheena Easton. Uh, do you, do you, if I'm honest, the only other Sheena Easton song I know it features in the song Santa Claus movie called It's Christmas All Over the World. Um, and all I know about her is that Mark Riley uh, and Mark Radcliffe used to be in a novelty joke band called The Shire Horses, and they did a Ramones parody called Sheena Easton Punk Rocker. Okay. That's it. That's all I've got. Okay. Uh, and based on this, I don't believe she was. No, no, I don't believe she was, No. Written by Bill Conti and Mike Leeson. Was nominated for an Oscar, 1981. Yeah. So was Live and Let Die. Yes. What was it? Was it quite a fallow year for the Oscars in 1981? What else was nominated? How dare you? <laughs> well, what was it up against? Um, you, uh, because I note with interest you say nominated for an Oscar as opposed to the more traditional won an Oscar. <laughs> We mean traditional when someone has won the Oscar, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you never refer to the winners as nominees, do you? Well, no, you refer to them as the winner. That's how that works. Quite right. 
He's got it. Actually, who did win the Oscar for best song that year? Hold on, man of Googles. In 1982, it lost out to Arthur's theme. Best you can do from the film Arthur. By Christopher Cross. Yes. Yeah. Greg yeah. talked about it the other day, didn't he? Yeah, Greg messaged us just the other day, something to do with Christopher Cross, and he mentioned that's what he's famous for. So, yes, by Christopher Cross, and just the aforementioned uh, Carol Bayer Sager and Burt Bacharach. Oh, dear Burt. It was also up against Endless Love by Lionel Richie. Uh, the Great Muppet Caper, the first time it happens. Uh, and One More Hour from Ragtime by Randy Newman. Right. Yeah, so it was it, a fifth it, competition that year. It was a golden year. Yeah. Endless Love, big song. I like For Your Eyes Only. What's your beef with it? It's rubbish. No, it's not. Ten, it's a tender love song. We it's know I had one of those in a bit. It's I boring. Those I used to think it was boring too, Adam, but seriously, I used to think it was really just dreck boring, and it's really grown on me over the years. And there's much to enjoy, yeah? It's got subtle, like, bird-like calls in it. Right, and, fine. like, ambient... Electronics in it. Answer me this, boy. Go for it. Yep. This is a Bond song. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Why am I here for subtlety? Have I been here for subtlety in any of these other pieces, except possibly from Russia with Love? We have all the time in the world. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. Yeah, but it's that. You can't just say, oh, don't use that one, isn't it? Don't use that one to prove your point. <laughs> don't prove your point with a thing. Was Sheena Easton staring into the eyes of a loved one before she died? Yeah, I think they, they held her rabbit hostage. Yeah, it does sound like the. By like, its ears with a gun uh, to it. Yeah, that's going to upset you far more than me. <laughs> you heartless bastard. <laughs> There's plenty of rabbits in the world. <gasps> Yes, Bill Conti, the score's composer, obviously he of Rocky fame, originally wrote it for Donna Summer or Dusty Springfield. Yeah, I would have preferred either of those. Yeah, the producer suggested Easton uh, off the back of her number one hit in the US, Morning Train. Okay. How does that go? It was a morning train. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> clack, 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 what the trolley. <laughs> I have no idea what she needs in Morning Train sounds like. <laughs> Just sometimes they, they pick the flavour of the month person. They don't really they? do. Yeah, and then that do. person, sadly, vanishes. Vanishes into obscurity. <laughs> and this is the most famous thing they still do. Yeah, uh, Conti wasn't a big fan of her work, but after meeting her, changed his mind. And uh, For Your Eyes Only was originally used as only the closing line in the song. But uh, the credit sequence designer, uh, Morris Binder, who designed all the, the opening credits up until that point, complained that he needed to synchronise the title with the song when it came up in the film. Damn it. That uh, Blondie were also originally asked to do the song. Um, it obviously wasn't used, but their version ended up on the 1982 album The Hunter. Yeah. Is it any good? It sounds like Blondie. Oh, so yes. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, and Easton is the only singer to appear in the actual credit sequence itself, as Binder found her uncommonly beautiful. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the film like? 
It's all right. It's one of the more forgettable ones because after the absolute ludicrousness of Moonraker, they they had a big line at the time saying we're literally bringing Bond back to Earth, and it's more much more of a sort of an actual spy thriller, and a bit more oh we're actually just keeping things low key this time. We're not going to space. We're actually a bit less superhero. Yeah, it's a bit more oh I'm actually gonna kill people and it's got consequence in it sort of thing it's a bit more just quiet and he doesn't really have any gadgets in it uh, it was originally supposed to be a new bond as well so there's a whole bit at the start where it harks back to his dead wife and he kills blofeld right at the start of the film um, but roger moore just came back for that monies but it's all right for your eyes on it's one of those ones i go back to occasionally trying to like it more than i do but it's fine yeah and uh, Roger Neer found her, Eastern that is, more sexy than any other Bond girl. But Eastern herself found the filming of the credit sequence very unglamorous, so she was basically just stuck to a chair the entire time where Morris pinned down the camera. <laughs> and saying, what? Oh, uncommonly beautiful. Well, Roger Moore pirouetted around her holding a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're <laughs> Um, Roger, do you think we can try it again, but with Sheena singing and you sitting in the chair? Oh, I shouldn't have thought so. <laughs> it, it, it has a weird effect having Sheena Easton in the credit sequence itself, because actually having a real life person popping up in between all these naked silhouetted women dancing really brings out the preposterousness of these credit sequences. And Particularly like... if those naked silhouetted women keep bumping into her. <laughs> <laughs> Just... mm. Mm. Well, especially when some of them are like doing pole oh. dancing down the barrel of a gun. Sorry, excuse me. I... <laughs> yeah, just legs flailing around the top of her head. <laughs> Roger Moore is a ludicrous man, isn't he? Yeah. A lovely man by all accounts, a genuinely nice man, but he cl- didn't he claim to invent the Magnum? <laughs> yes, I think he did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you put a shock eyes on a stick. Shock <laughs> eyes on a stick, and then years later, Walls made one. <laughs> It's not the same. <laughs> Thank you, Sir Roger. <laughs> I like I like the song. I think it's a very charming, pleasant song. Quite and and her delivery on the last line for your eyes only. I think just heart wrenching. I don't know if I've ever got that far. Oh, I I, I feel it's a grower. This one. I think I, I used to poo poo it as well, but it's really uh, grown. I was once like you. I once poo pooed like you. Ah, well, back when you were still in your Thunderball infancy. Yeah, I grew out of Thunderball and I matured into For Your Eyes Only. Well, I've got to be honest with you, maturing looks shit, if that's the case. Oh, you're so immature, your Thunderball. It's going to be, I mean, I, I don't know, do you still want to do uh, best song, worst song? I, I don't, don't, I mean... Are we I, leaving them on? I, mean, I had, I had, I, I'd gone up all the way up to Octopussy, but clearly you haven't. What's Octopussy? That's All Time High. Oh, God, that's awful. Have you listened to that one? Yes. I mean, let's just finish that one, because, yes, it's god-awful. So the next song... <laughs> Rita is... Coolidge, is it? Rita Coolidge performs all-time high in Sorry, 1983. The thing is, my metric doesn't go that high. I suspect this is the point at which I said, oh, come on, we've got to have Tina. We've got to eat. It's too late. I'm not doing this for fucking all-time high. <laughs> I have no desire to listen to all-time high. <laughs> so it's from Octopussy. Um, shockingly, they couldn't figure out a way to make a song with the title Octopussy. Yes, why is it called Octopussy? It's, it's a Ian Fleming title. 
and the particular octopus is a character in it. Right. Although the villain in the piece, Louis Jordan, is the only person who seems to find the fact she's called Octopussy funny. <laughs> I'm glad somebody does. She just says it not to touch it. Octopussy. Octopussy. It just sounds like she's got eight of them. Yep. Yeah, it's never really raised why why she's got that god-awful name. Or they even use it as a title. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that. It's a god-awful title. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it marks a return once again of old cheerful John's Baz after Bill Conti did the last one. Um, yeah, and apparently he didn't do For Your Eyes Only for tax reasons. <laughs> That's his main creative reason there. <laughs> oh, I couldn't possibly, darling. Couldn't possibly. <laughs> Uh, Don Black wasn't available, so Tim Rice stepped in, and Barry asked Phil Ramone, Uber producer, to work on the song itself. Uh, Rice did want to try a song called Octopussy, but Barry asked him to submit six song titles instead, and apparently All Time High was the best one. Yeah. Can you hear the word Octopussy without thinking of the line from The Simpsons? (laughs) You English. You know what's nah. great about your English? Nah. Octopussy. Octopussy. I must have seen that movie twice. Yes. Yes, that's not too, that's not too that's bad. Not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to prepare prepare for the song, Tim Rice visited the set and presumably saw some of the aerial speech in the film because there's two aerial sequences in the film. So he just thought, they're bloody high. We're all time high. <laughs> Charles uh, Baz, I've got it. I've got it. Ah, secrets of the songwriter. Mm, the craft. Mari Wilson was an early contender. She was a British singer whose uh, look involved mid nineties, uh, mid sorry, mid sixties. So a lot of beehive hairdo and stuff. But she had no profile in the US, and I had to look her up as well, and I don't remember her at all. But Rita Coolidge did. Yes, that was the th- yeah. So. Uh, Cubby Broccoli had stated he hoped to work with Laura Branigan on the theme tune. Yeah, the Branigan. Um, the woman yeah. that went on to make those quite good crisps. Yes, yes, the very same. Yeah, and Coolidge herself was considered a surprise choice given her career had peaked six or seven years before this. <laughs> well, um, well but, done to her for having that level of self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, but Barbara Broccoli played uh, Coolidge records all the time around her father, Cubby Broccoli, until one day he said, that's the sound of the song I want for Octopussy. Yeah. And the lyrics were still being written when Coolidge actually arrived to record in studio. Oh, Shockingly, Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Some the of t- these performers have been very poorly served. They really have. The title was used as a tagline in promotions for the song. Uh, but it went largely unmentioned and was considered a throwaway when it did come out. And it, it was, um, they tried to push it for an Oscar, but they just went, nah, not filming anyone. <laughs> nah, have you heard it? Fuck off. Um, I think the first, the fact the first line says, all I wanted was a sweet distraction for an hour or two, sums up the experience of the viewing public as well. Yeah, pretty all, much. All we wanted was a bit and of fun. And, you know, I'm a sucker for a saxophone as much as the next man. But God, when the saxophone kicks in at the start of this, I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And you've got an instantly horrible middle of the road bass like that. Boop, boop. Oh, like, uh, would, it, would it shock you to hear they didn't chart in the US or UK, 
Um, but it did get to number 36. No, no, sorry, number one in the adult contemporary charts in the US. Poor Rita. Poor It was a minor hit in Europe, though. Yeah, and Tim Rice considers it still a nice, dreamy ballad, but not one of the exciting ones. But again, that's the point, isn't it? Mm. I mean, and in fairness, On a Majesty's Secret Service has some exciting music as well. Oh, yeah, but the score itself is exciting. And to be fair, Octopussy, the score, has actually got some exciting sort of sounds in it as well. But so you don't necessarily want the theme song to be dreamy. I want it yeah, to be... Yeah, have the urgency of the rest of the film. Urgency, exactly. Yeah, and I don't get this point. You've had sort of four ballads back-to-back, starting with Nobody Does It Better than Moonraker if you're eyes only. So you've got four back-to-back. It's like, why has James Bond become this turgid balladeer thing? It's just, yeah, it just, by, by all-time high, it is just like... Where's oh, the dynamism? Yeah, you've you, you got to change things up here, guys. Come on. Gordon Ramsay. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. It's raw. <laughs> He's dry, guys. Come, Come on. Bond's dry. All time, I will definitely sit alongside Man with a Golden Gun and um, From Russia of Love as one of the more forgettable whoa, ones. Whoa, 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 whoa. One of the more forgettable ones. From Russia with love. Just go ahead and mute you. <laughs> I think you're wrong about From Russia with love. <laughs> so, I mean, we're not going to do a best and worst this time round because this is part one of a part two. And because part two parter. It will spoil the surprise when Thunderball wins. Bloody metric. Slash live and let die. I don't know. We've got some big hitters to come, everyone. We've got A View to a Kill. We have have Goldeneye. We have... That's that's really good, too. Skyfall. Hakramal. (laughs) We have Writing on the Wall, Sam Smith. Yeah. All that glitters isn't gold, everyone. (laughs) So, yes, please join us next time at the next party, where we will... What's the very next song in the list? A View to a Kill. Ah, oh, great. They okay. got they got our <laughs> telegram and they <laughs> made some adjustments. Ballads. No more ballads. No ballads. Here's a yeah. view to a kill. It's great. It's great. Bloody great view to a kill. <laughs> it's and great. It's, follow- it's followed up by Living Daylights, which is great as well. That's great. <laughs> oh. oh, we're going to have a lot of fun on the next one. For a bit. For a bit, then it gets a bit hazy again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the, the wheel shall remain spunless this time round. Yes, quite right. Please join us again when, thank God, we've not made shitty, cheesy James Bond. Sure, shitty puns this time round. I still think Bond Bastic was fine. <laughs> I didn't get it, that's the thing. Which surprises me. <laughs> it's literally just the word Bond. I don't understand. I don't get it. That's <laughs> If you d- I'm really disappointed you didn't get my lovely bit of wordplay at the start of all the titles uh, mixed in. Oh, I did, obviously. <laughs> as sophisticated as it was. <laughs> so, in the meantime, though, you're more than welcome to send us any comments, any uh, feedback, any albums you'd like us to listen to at future parties. We've still got a couple of 
listener requests we will get to in the future. You can email us at listeningparty at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at listeningpartypod. We're on Facebook, Listening Party of Adam and Mike. We're on Twitter at Party Listen. Uh, yeah, and if you could like and subscribe us and preferably leave us a favourable review if you do like any of us ramblings. We're very glad you could join us for it continually. Please yep. do so. And until next time when we'll be doing whole another chunk of Jay's Bond songs. Yeah, I mean, or just go and listen to Thunderball several times. View to a kill right up to no time to die. Thunderball yeah. would not be mentioned or played. Mm, mentioned? I don't think you can guarantee that. Well, not, and if mentioned, will be edited. Uh, not if I talk over you. It, it will be edited. <laughs> right, this is going to be a fun game. Listen to Thunderball. All right, until next time, my darlings, my loves. Have a pleasant party, time, fun, love. With yeah, have a, have a pleasant party, time, fun, love. And uh, we'll see you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.